enjoy Sports Cage's Michael Ball for CAA Travel's Ultimate Sports Trip, December 5th to 12th. Leaving from Regina and Saskatoon, this trip includes a seven-night stay in Huntington Beach and tickets to two Anaheim Ducks NHL home games and two NFL games, the Raiders versus the Rams and the Dolphins versus the Chargers, plus a daily breakfast and transportation to and from the games, all for just $24.99 per person. Taxes included based on double occupancy. Drop by or call your local CAA travel agency to book the ultimate sports trip. Well, the chill is in the air can feel it right when you walk outside today just hits you right in the face you can tell playoff football is on the horizon hit a high of seven or eight degrees today in Regina Thanksgiving is this weekend the leaves are falling mm, it just smells like football out there I'm Sean Kleisinger sitting in for Michael Ball today as Ballsy is off to Hamilton we'll hear from Ballsy a lot throughout the show today a show that is brought to you by Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM, and they'll match your first deposit of $25 to $250. Text line is 306-936-6262. It's powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. And my topic today for you, well, I want to know your top three sports leagues in order you know i already mentioned it it's that time of year where everything is happening right now everything and uh cfl playoffs of course coming soon nfl is well underway uh mlb playoffs start tomorrow with the blue jays nhl and nba starting up here whl of course it's sports heaven right now so let me know on the text line your top three sports leagues not sports just your top three leagues and I mentioned Ballsy will be chatting with a lot of great guests today. It's a bye week in Canada West, but the Regina Rams are off to a hot start. Four and one the Rams are after starting or after finishing last year with only one win. They already have four wins. And they have that inside track of getting a home playoff game, which is really exciting. So Canada West's Dave Thomas will be chatting with Ballsy. Nolan Dalla of Spreads.ca with your best wagers in the sports world heading into the weekend. TSN's Farhan Lalji on the upcoming week in the CFL. And Keith Willoughby will give us the latest CFL playoff odds. Oh, you know, I am looking forward to hearing this, but in a way I'm not looking forward to hearing this because uh, this is the most intriguing segment yet because it's getting down to the nitty-gritty when it comes to uh, the Riders making the playoffs. All of our guests will appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Order the Rough Riders Sweet Deal from Western Pizza, and you and a friend could be watching a Ryder game from a luxury suite. It's a must-win time for the Riders. I mean, the depth chart is out for tomorrow. It's do or die. we got to win this game against Hamilton. Everything is pretty much the same across the board compared to last week on the depth chart. The big change is Shaq Cooper will get the start at running back, and Mario Elford will be the backup. I'm going to go through it anyways, though. Left tackle, Vaughn. Left guard, Furland. Center, Clark. Right guard, Johnson. Right tackle, Richardson. Your receivers, Evans, Schaefer, Baker, Karen Moore, Justin McKinnis, and Braden Lenius. And I already mentioned Shaq Cooper in at running back. Fajardo, of course, your QB1. James Tuck in at fullback. Maybe he has a couple more uh, big receptions in store from this week. I hope so. And on defense, the same three linebackers who have played every single game beside each other this year. Sankey in the middle, uh, surrounded by Larry Dean and Derek Moncrief, your defensive front. Pete Robertson 
Brown, Christmas, Leonard, your secondary, Marshall and Clark on the corners, your halfbacks, Milligan, Brown, and your free safety, Mike Edom. Riders left for Hamilton today. Here's Riders head coach Craig Dickinson before the departure. Coach, uh, you deal with probably more media than any other coach in the league and probably even some NFL coaches. Uh, you seem like you enjoy it for the most part. Do you have days, though, where Ariel comes to get you and you think, again? Some days, yeah, but the, the reality is um, I actually like you people more than you think probably. There, there's good people here, and uh, – and I don't mind uh, standing up and, and speaking for the team because I, I feel strongly that it's a good group of guys. And I think sometimes it's important to um, kind of have their back and, you know, try, to try, try your best to, to, uh, to express what the team's feeling and how they're thinking to the media. So it's part of the job. It's a part that I um, enjoy for the most part. And, uh, and there's not very many days uh, where... I'm really uh, shaking my head and not looking forward to it. I like it, but are you too honest? Probably too honest, and I probably give you guys a little too much. I think I'm learning uh, less is more sometimes, but it's hard for me, right? I'm kind of, I've, I've always been accused of somebody who can keep it real and, and, and expresses what he's thinking at the moment. Um, but I'm learning to, to maybe say a little bit less. Um, and I think that'll help. Do you, do you think that the, have you, do you ever see other coaches who maybe aren't so media friendly and think they cause problems for themselves because they don't embrace that part of it? Uh, Brandon, I don't know. I mean, I don't actually watch a lot of other coaches and their media stuff, but I do read and I, I am on Twitter. So I do see what's going on out there. I just think here's the thing. I've always felt like this. When you tell the truth and you're real with people, you don't have to try to remember the story. So I've always tried to just go by the fact that I'll try to be as honest as I can. I'm not good at making up any sort of BS or any sort of um, alternative story. I usually just tell it like it is. Sometimes that's good. Other times, like uh, you've mentioned, it's probably too much information. So I'm continuing to work at it and hopefully get better. I told the players, I, I view media and, and my my media conferences, my speaking engagements, kind of like they view the game. I watch it, and then I try to learn from it and try to get better. So you do something not many coaches do anywhere. You address the people by their name when you answer the questions. Where did that come from? I, I don't know. I, I've, seen, uh, I've seen really good coaches, people I admire, Ken Miller, for example, and he, he was good. I always felt that addressing folks by their first name. It takes a little bit of work. Um, but I think it's important to try. I try to do the same thing with the players. I try to address them by their first name as opposed to number 50 or number 52. It takes a little bit of work, but I think you can connect better when you know their name, and they know that you've spent at least enough time to know who they are. Is Mario Alford playing this week? Is he on track? To He's on track to play, yep. What kind of what situation at running back look like? Uh, Shaq Cooper probably going to be the guy. You know, He's had a good week of practice, and, uh, and then Mario will back him up if we need to. What's this pass rush missing right now from what you guys had at the beginning of the year? Well, we're missing a little bit of juice inside. I mean, uh, it'd be nice to get Lanier back. He's not going to be back this week. But we do feel like we're getting better. So um, we're going to continue to try to put them in positions where they can succeed, be a little bit creative with how we line up, and hopefully that'll help. Is Merrill not that serious then, I guess? His ankle, yeah, it, it was enough to keep him out day one, but he's pushing through it, and I think he'll be all right. What is Shaq Cooper going to show you when he looks at him? I just want him to take care of the football, do a good job in pass protections, and then run like he's capable of. He's in, still in pretty good shape, looks like he's ready to go. 
Craig, speaking of you always being open and honest with us, uh, any chance that we see a lot of KSB looks running out of the backfield this week? KSB looks. Now, I'm not going to be – I'm going to – less is more on that, that question, by the way. He'll be, he'll be involved in touching the ball. We'll make sure he gets his touches. I'll put it to you that way. When you say Alford will be the backup, is, are you going to dress another running back like Emmons or is Wilson ready to go? Or no, Wilson's not ready to go. So it's going to be, it's going to be Shaq Cooper and then the backup will be Mario Alford. There's Riders head coach Craig Dickinson before the team left to Hamilton. And I've already touched on this a bit, but the Riders playoff odds right now are, uh, well, they're intriguing. They're kind of teetering right now, but it's not as bad as you might think because I dove into some numbers earlier on this week. And basically, if the Riders can just beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats tomorrow, it pretty much seals them the crossover spot. It doesn't, it doesn't clinch it. Don't put me on record of saying that. It does not clinch them the crossover spot, but the odds really go in their favor if they can get the win tomorrow because all the Riders would need after tomorrow's win, if they do get it, is Hamilton would just need to lose one more game and Ottawa would have to lose one more game. And by the way, Ottawa and Hamilton play each other two more times, so that's automatic automatically one loss in one of their columns so bottom line though let's just win this game tomorrow we're gonna dive more into this though coming up next the riders playoff odds with keith willoughby and michael ball you're listening to the sports cage for spreads.ca on 620 ckrm and he's gonna get another one maybe two zimmer's being waved around third here's the throw from center field it is not in time and lopez drives in two a base hit to center field Moreno comes in to score, and right behind him, Bradley Zimmer. So it's now 3-1, to one, Blue Jays. Otto Lopez, the star of the day yesterday for the Blue Jays. He got his first career RBI in game one of the doubleheader. Then he added two more in the second half of the doubleheader. And the Blue Jays came away with a 5-1 to one win in the nightcap. And with that win last night, the Toronto Blue Jays surpassed last year's win total with 92 wins on the year. And, of course, tomorrow night is the big day. Blue Jays and Mariners tomorrow at 2 p.m. Saskatchewan time in Game 1 of the Wild Card Series. So, Otto Lopez, today's Sports Cage Clutch Performer, brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Call 781-1077 because, hey, off the bat of Otto Lopez, the Jays have more wins than last year. It's a worthy performance. Here's Michael Ball with Keith Willoughby. This guy's becoming one of our favorite guests here on the Sports Cage, Keith Willoughby. He is a big-time CFL fan in his day job, though. He is the uh, dean at the Edwards School of Business in Saskatoon, but he runs a bunch of uh, CFL simulations throughout the year to just to get his Commodore 64, his uh, first-time Atari from 1983 to predict how things are going to go in the CFL. So... Uh, things have not been going good on the field. We don't need a computer to tell us that. Keith Willoughby joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, riders have uh, gone 2-8 and eight since July 14th, worst record in the league, and they've lost four straight, and they're going to a place where they don't generally do well. Hamilton, if you remember the last time uh, Cody Fajardo played there, he came in three plays into the game when Simone Lawrence tried to turn Zach Kolaris' head into a bowl of soup. So... Keith, welcome to the show. What's your latest computer simulation saying about the Riders' record? 
Uh, the latest computer simulation, Ballsy, isn't giving the Riders a whole lot of hope. It's still projecting the Riders to lose their last three games to Hamilton and then the back-to-back against Calgary and finish the season 6-12. and Well, that would mean a house cleaning, I, I would have to think, even though, I'm once again, I don't call for people to get fired because those arrows could come back at you, but definitely Rider Nation would be unruly after that. The pitchforks would be out. Now, what's the model saying in terms of making the playoffs and percentage-wise? Well, percentage-wise, making the playoffs, we're about 37%. So for the past couple of weeks, it's been hovering around that 35 to 40% level, um, basically because the model thinks that Hamilton will eke out the riders in terms of earning uh, the playoff spot. So basically right now, Saskatchewan and Hamilton are on a collision course for that final playoff spot, either a crossover for the riders or Hamilton finishing third in the East and then uh, playing in the semifinal in the East. Well, remember, the riders have to have a better record than Hamilton. If they're tied, Hamilton gets that third spot. That's it. So it doesn't matter if the riders won both games. Well, if the riders win this game, they're in. But they don't look at season series. They don't look at points for and against. If Hamilton and Saskatchewan are tied, Hamilton gets in. So basically, Hamilton, you can put an extra win in their win column right now, kind of a de facto win. So this is a huge game, Keith. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, tomorrow from the donut shop in Hamilton, uh, the Riders have to win this game. Take your computer, put it off to the side. They got to win this game, and they have enough in that locker room to win this game. Absolutely ballsy, and I say this as a long-time Riders season ticket holder. Here's a case where I'm going to go against the computer model because I think I am confident that the Riders will emerge with a victory Friday night in Hamilton. There is too much leadership and too much potential and too much pride in that locker room for us to basically lay another egg and have a fifth, fifth uh, straight loss. I know that we're 2-8 and eight over our last 10. I know that we haven't um, looked too strong over the past while, but give us a break. Like what other franchises dealt with the impact of a, of a COVID challenge? You look at our last game against Winnipeg, we were playing uh, like our fifth string running back. We had no running backs. We've We've had injuries in key positions. Now we're having guys get healthy. Dan Clark is back in the O-line. We've gone through a stretch where we've played some very talented teams. Again, we've gone through the three games out of four against Winnipeg. We know what happened there. But to me, I'm betting on the riders in this game because the leadership will come to the fore and merge us with a victory in Hamilton on Friday night. Now, you're a, uh, you're a very smart man both in your life and both as a football fan, so you're level-headed. But if the riders do it your computer which your dumpy computer says it's going to do, and it'll be a great computer if it goes in our favor, by the way. I just want to point that out. But if your computer is right and we go 6-12 and 12, as a longtime Ryder fan who drives in from Saskatoon for the games, will you want to see change? Or will you approach this as a, like you just outlined, an unfortunate year where everything went wrong and give the regime another year to work their way out of it? Great question, Ballsy. I think if the Riders end up 6-12 and 12 and miss the playoffs this year, um, I, I think there will be some changes. But as a Rider fan, I wouldn't call for wholesale changes. Um, uh, for me personally, um, I, I think Coach Dickinson does, would deserve another year. He, he gave us two straight trips to the Western Final, 2019 and 2021. There aren't many Rider coaches in our 100-plus year history have been able to say that in terms of being able to achieve that level of success. So, yeah, I get it that we uh, stubbed our toe this year and things didn't work out well, but I don't wouldn't call for wholesale changes. I think there'll be some tweaking that will have to take place. I think we need some the ability to better recruit for offensive line talent 
and I think the ability to, to be more disciplined as a, as a football squad. But I wouldn't call for wholesale changes, even if we were to go 6-12 and 12 and miss the playoffs in 2022. So we both are in agreement that we won't, that we're going to win on Friday. We're crossing our fingers and toes on that, and I'm actually confident the Rough Riders will win. I've got like a 31-18 score for Saskatchewan. But this is why I hold out hope. I, I joke about your computer, but computers... They just go with numbers, as you know. And I know you're a numbers guy, but you also have a personality, thank God. Uh, a lot of stats nerds don't, by the way, Keith, you know. Um, and anyway, so after Calgary's decisive victory over Toronto, your computer is the Stamps' favor to win the Grey Cup? They don't, they, the computer knows Winnipeg's still playing, right? The computer, and that's a great question, Ballsy, um, because this computer model is built on looking at margin of victory in games played. See, it doesn't look at the composition of the roster. It doesn't look at what happened during the week. It looks at what happened on that game during the, for the margin of victory. So right now, it's picking up the fact that the Stampeders are a hot team. They beat Toronto decisively. Uh, and Toronto, up, to, up until that game, was the, the model's favorite. It, the Argos have won four games in a row. Uh, right now, Calgary has become that, that strong favorite in the computer model's projections. Winnipeg is being a bit discounted because their last two games was a rather one-sided 17-point defeat to Hamilton. And then the ride, they did beat um, Saskatchewan by 18, but the model was basically suggesting they'd beat Saskatchewan anyway. So it's a situation right now where the model is really looking at Calgary in terms of being that up-and-coming team that at least is giving them the odds-on favor to winning the Grey Cup in Mosaic and Regina in November. Well, this is intriguing because I picked the Riders by 13, but you're telling me the computer uh, tomorrow night has something totally different. Oh, my goodness. And this is where I think I want to do a Control-Alt-Delete on the computer. <laughs> the, the computer is giving Hamilton an 88% chance of beating the Riders. It's installing them as a 14-point favorite. I'm not going to give two touchdowns for the Argos. Or sorry, two touchdowns for the Ticats in this game against Saskatchewan. To me, this is a situation where um, to me, the money line is on the Riders for winning this game. There's too much leadership and too much potential and too much riding on this game for the Riders to go into Hamilton and not emerge with a victory. I won't go down the uh, East Division playoff rabbit hole yet because we don't know if the Riders are going to get there. Uh, hopefully with this win on Friday, uh, it, we're right, your computer's wrong, and then we can start talking about that. But, Keith, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the game. All the best, Ballsy, and go Riders. Michael Ball with Keith Willoughby on the Western Pizza Hotline as we head to break on the other side. Canada West's Dave Thomas talking you sports football here on this bye week. It's a chilly day here in Regina. Got my jacket on still. Got a toque on. Don't got mitts on. Not quite there yet, but uh, we shall see. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. All right, joining us now is Dave Thomas, the voice of football on Can West, a Saskatoon sports legend there. Been a long-time announcer at uh, CJWW. How do the Thomases spend Thanksgiving? What do you guys do? Oh, it'll be turkey dinner galore it'll be the last little break that we have before the transition of seasons between football to hockey in our house yeah no kidding how old are your kids now uh one's in grade 12 and one's in grade nine nice nice that's uh, did they both play football and hockey or how does that work oh they're both involved in everything cross country curling golf you name it that's that's okay Better that I, I I always said I always said this. Better your kids are involved doing something like that, and you're paying for uh, sporting activities than paying for uh, counseling or rehabilitation, right? I've always said, and that's not making fun of people going through that. I'm just saying, it's you know what? I'd rather spend my money there. 
Uh, and with me as their parent, there would be a lot of coach talk <laughs> they'd need, right? Oh, oh, really? You think me as the parent? My, <laughs> no kidding. My daughter's going into psychology. I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> hey, so Dave, let's talk about uh, the two university football teams here in Saskatchewan, both off to a really good start. I want to start in Saskatoon and then get to the one that matters here to my listeners more, uh, Regina. But with the Regina tie-in up there, you got Riker Frank, of course you got Mason Nias, you got Scott Flory. They're off to their best start in years, trying to get back to the Vanier Cup. Uh, it's been going pretty well for them, right? Yeah, I, I would think you have to be pretty happy. I think the one thing that is being exposed a little bit in the last couple of weeks is their protection schemes as Mason Nias is getting less and less time in the pocket and getting more and more traffic in front of him that he's going to have to divert. But I think that the Regina Rams really wrote the script as far as what you need to do to stop Mason Nias in the Husky offense. So I think that they're going to start to see more pressure packs, more complex rushing schemes up front. So that would be where the offense is. Defensively, the Huskies just seem to be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And as they played against Manitoba last week, I think they really proved that you know, they're a confident bunch, but they got to walk that fine line and not get overconfident because that can bite you in the butt. And it really almost did against Manitoba before they were able to right the ship at halftime. Now, I am, uh, I've been a, like a Mason Nias agent since I've been uh, doing this, since he's been in grade 10. Love watching the kid back at Riffle High School here in Regina. Um, he is... You know, always been blessed with great running backs. Look like it looks like another young one is coming up in Riker Frank. But he's he's had to uh, I don't want to say hide his talent, but he hasn't been able to display it as much as maybe this year because he's had great running backs behind him and they've they've handed the ball off a lot. He hasn't really had to throw it very much in his first few years. Here's my concern personally for Nias. They got a game coming out of Thanksgiving against the Rams, which is going to be a real doozy on that Saturday up in Saskatoon. I believe that's October, I want to say, 15th. Um, If they win that game, they've sewn up first place. Will that limit how much Scott Flory plays Mason Nice? Because I sure hope Scott Flory is loyal to his quarterback and lets him, without hurting the team, get as much playing time as he can for a run at the Heck Crichton Trophy. Because that looks good on the program, and Nias deserves a shot at that. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that Scott Flory is all about his players and giving them every opportunity to succeed. It's team goals first, individual goals second, and again, Last year in a game that really was meaningless against Calgary to wind up the regular season, Mason Nias played most of it. He didn't need to, and the Huskies didn't need to win the game. Of course, there were some ramifications that they could go ahead and eliminate the Dinos from postseason contention, which they did. But Nias got the opportunity to go out, perform, and play the game. And I really think without a shadow of a doubt that Scott Flory is going to give his team that opportunity. He says it all the time that we have signed up to play 60 minutes of football, no matter the opponent, no matter the place, no matter the time, and we are going to go ahead and honor that uh, that commitment, if you will, and we will make sure that we put our best playing their best on the field all the time. Well, I hope he does that because that was Frank McChrystal's old mentality when I played for him. He used to say, and I quote, Guys, 
You just keep playing. I don't care. At the end of the day, I'll answer the questions because I can't coach both football teams. So I really hope Scott Flory has that mentality and lets Mason Nias run with it. I think right now, would I be right? He is the front runner for the heck Crichton. I think there's a quarterback out of Lavelle that's kind of got comparable numbers, but Nias still has more touchdowns and is, I think he's the front runner, if I'm not mistaken. I know it's not just a quarterback award, but I think he's probably the leader right now. I would agree. I'd say that he is the leader. Now, at first, I was really skeptical. Putting as much pressure has been that has been heaped on to Mason with this heck talk very early on. Week number one, right? But I, I think you're right. He is the, the leader, but also there are team accomplishments, I think, that are interwoven into that award. So if he doesn't continue to produce, then he doesn't become the front runner. So I think so long as the Huskies run okay, he'll be okay when it comes to that conversation. Well, there are no Philpots now to make it a Philpot Can West MVP award like it was last year. That was a debacle, man, if you ask me. But that's just me <laughs> saying it was a disaster. And to, for the coaches to say it was a unanimous decision, they all must have been uh, smoking the giggle weed then or something to say that was a unanimous decision. That was a joke. All right, I'll tell you who isn't a joke. It was a joke that these same coaches said in their coaches' poll the Rams were number six. Explain this to me. Riddle me this, Batman. How do the Rams keep winning and they drop in the polls? What the hell was that? That that one is, you know what? If I'm Mark McConkey, I am smiling ear to ear because we got disrespected at the start of the year and all we do is we come out and we win. Now in the middle of the year, we come out and we're disrespected again and all we've done is win. What more do you want? And again, you don't get style points for victories. It's all about the wins and loss column at the end of the year. And right now, the Regina Rams are beating their opposition. I don't care when, where, or how they find a way. And how many times have we said it, Ballsy? Good teams find a way to win. Yeah, you know what? And what I like about Mark McConkey and talking with him, you know, ego's a very big thing in sports. It has to be. And it's a big thing in our industry, too. We are all egotistical. Now, I'm way more egotistical than a classy dude like Dave Thomas. But... Ego is very much involved in sports. What I like about Mark McConkie is, hey, I'm calling plays. I might need some game management help. I'm going to turn over some of this uh, this to Jeff Stusick, make him an assistant head coach. I'm going to turn over some stuff to Dwayne Mason. I've got Vincent and Donaldson there. I've got Sheldon Neal there. i got Sheldon Gray there. He's got a really strong coaching staff, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and you know what? That's the thing is that as a coach, I think the best coaches can get the best from their players and, in this instance, their coaching staff. So I think you've got to give all the credit. You, you find and discover the strengths of the people around you, and you exploit those strengths to make the entire unit or the whole better. And I think that that's what Mark McConkie has done on the field with his coaching staff, recognize your strengths, Define your weakness and overcome the weakness by filling the void with greater strength. Well, with thankfulness being on the uh, t uh, the top of mind here Thanksgiving weekend, I think uh, if you're a football fan of the Huskies or the Rams, you got to be thankful with how things have gone for the most part. I know there have been some severe injuries with you and Chino, one of the big names there, and, of course, Kyle Borse, unfortunately, with Regina. I'm uh, sick to my stomach for both of those good kids, in particular Borsa, who, uh, you know, his career – 
just didn't seem to take off for one reason or another. He's partly to blame with that suspension. But when you look at it here, man, I don't like these are the two top running teams. And, you know, Flory's got a pretty solid program there. Uh, it's been good for a few years since he took over. And the Rams, we've talked about this, Dave. I don't think we talk about it enough, though. The Rams are a small market team. They're an undergraduate university. Everything has to line up for these guys. They have to be extra good at recruiting because there's a lot of pro, uh, programs not offered at the U of R that, uh, you know, for instance, Noah Zer said, I might've gone to the U of R, but there was nothing in ag there. So I went to the U of S and of course he had his dad's tie in, but the Rams are a small market team. So for them to be in the mix and be better than the Manitobas and the Calgary's and the Alberta's and the UBC's, that's a credit to Regina and a credit to Flory for having a steady ship there in Saskatoon. Well, absolutely. It all comes down to recruiting and, like I say, Mark McConkey finally puts his stamp on this team with getting a full offseason to recruit, right? And Scott Flory, when he was hired in Saskatchewan, right, he was hired late. So, again, his entire recruiting process was pushed back a year. Both coaches have overcome that. Both coaches are doing terrific in my eyes and I think deserve a ton of credit with what they've done. And lastly, if it's not one... Okay, so the Huskies are the front runner. They'll probably host the... Depending on what happens, they'll probably be the first place team. There's a pretty good bet. If it's not the Rams, who's challenging the Huskies for the Hardy Cup? Because I think it's Huskies, Rams, 1-2. Who would you say at the end is going to be the biggest threat? Wow, that is tough. If you would have asked me a week ago, I would have said the Manitoba Bisons. But really, I was... I was somewhat disappointed in the Bisons in the third and fourth quarter. I thought they had the opportunity to win the game at Griffith Stadium. Uh, UBC just seems so hot and cold in Alberta. Again, Alberta does so many small things right, but then they find a way to not execute in one facet of the game at a critical time, and it comes back to bite them in the butt. So, man, it, it's, that's a tough question, and, and maybe I'd, I'd defer to Alberta just with the the emotion that they're going to be feeling with the rest of the, the season. I, I would say Alberta, I guess. Dave Thomas joining us. Thanks very much, man. I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thank you, Ball, to you as well. All right, it's 443 inside the sports cage, and your sports ticker is for Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. So the Saskatchewan Rough Riders announced the launching of the Great Cup Festival app today. The app will track everything you need to know and do for Great Cup Week. You can download it for free on the App Store. And can you believe this? Once we reach Sunday, we are just six weeks away until Great Cup Sunday. Six weeks! That's... uh. It's coming up here, so good news for CFL fans today. Montreal Alouettes running back William Stamback was added to the active roster after suffering that ankle injury in the season opener. So Montreal is home to Ottawa on Thanksgiving Monday. Thursday night football tonight sees the 1-2-1 Indianapolis Colts in Denver to take on the 2-2 Broncos. Attention to fantasy owners out there. Star running back Jonathan Taylor not in the lineup tonight for the Colts as he is nursing an ankle injury. 6.15 p.m. kickoff Saskatchewan time tonight. And this is the news of the day across the country. Canadian Tire and Imperial's uh, Esso brand, along with many of others, withdrew its support on Thursday for Hockey Canada's men's program. The latest in a flood of sponsors to do so since Tuesday's 
parliament hearing in Ottawa. I mean, a number of hockey federations from across Canada have come out today calling for a review of Hockey Canada's action plan. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he also said on Thursday that the federal government could step in and create a new national body to replace the scandal-plagued federation. So a lot happening on that front, and I'm sure a lot more to come. Soccer superstar Lionel Messi announced today on his social media that this winter's World Cup will be his last. Messi is uh, still undecided on what club he's going to play for next year. It's either going to be PSG or Barcelona, but we shall see. And uh, NHL news, the Dallas Stars have signed Jason Robertson to a four-year contract extension worth $7.75 million per year. And the Kansas City Royals, they fired their manager, Mike Matheny, today. The Royals finished the season 65-97, and so... I guess you can see why they're moving on there. On the other hand, the Blue Jays, they're getting set for a big playoff push. It starts tomorrow. Cannot wait. Alec Manoa gets to start on the hill tomorrow for the Blue Jays. It's a 2.07 p.m. opening pitch from the Rogers Center. The Jays are taking on the Seattle Mariners, and there's no doubt about it, Seattle is a pitching-driven team. And the Blue Jays, you know, they have experienced several disappointments on the mound this season. Uh, Hinjin Ryu... Uh, Kikuchi, and then, of course, the limited contributions to Nate Pearson's failure to emerge. But uh, hey, it's a three-game series at least. It's better than that wild, or it's better than that one-game stuff that we had before. Remember that? That was, uh, I believe, that was the bat flip game a few years ago when Jose Bautista hit that home run against uh, the Baltimore Orioles. I believe that was the one-game wild card series. So at least if we drop. And I say we. At least if the Blue Jays drop the first game tomorrow, there's still chance. But uh, let's let's say that the Blue Jays won't drop the game tomorrow. It's going to be exciting. We're going to talk all about this series with Sportsnet's Arash Madani at 6.05 today because Arash Madani was uh, live at the Rogers Center all day long. Both the Blue Jays and the Seattle Mariners had their media days today. So Arash has his finger on the pulse on all things Toronto Blue Jays, and he's the guy you want to talk to or listen to when it comes to Toronto Blue Jays baseball. But, hey, we got a big football game tomorrow. This is, I was going to say win or die. I don't know if that's uh, appropriate or not, but it basically is. I mean, the Rough Riders have to win this football game tomorrow because we already heard from Keith Willoughby at the start of the show. As it sits right now, Keith Willoughby's computer model has the Saskatchewan Rough Riders making the playoffs at around 37%. And I know this game's not going to be won with numbers and all that, but uh, just think about this. If the Rough Riders could win this game tomorrow in Hamilton, they could technically drop their last two games. And when I say drop, I mean lose their last two games against Calgary and still make the playoffs if they can beat Hamilton tomorrow because if they do that tomorrow, the Riders would just need one more loss from the Hamilton Tiger Cats and one more loss from the Ottawa Red Blacks. And by the way, Hamilton and Ottawa, they play each other two more times. So that's automatically one loss in the loss column for one of those teams. And I know your your eyes might be crossed right now. It's uh, very complicated. Bottom line is the Riders... Need to win the football game. That is not complicated whatsoever. And before the Riders departed to Hamilton, Michael Ball caught up with Riders linebacker Larry Dean. 
here with Riders linebacker Larry Dean. Larry, going back to Hamilton, uh, any uh, any special feelings doing that? I'm just on the mission. We're on the mission coming as a team, just one of 12 right now. Yeah, you look very focused uh, going into that Winnipeg game. I, I was near you in the bus and the elevator. You look very, very focused. You're a, you're a veteran guy. Obviously, uh, playoffs aren't a given, and you kind of know that. Is that something you just preach to some of the younger guys? Because some of the younger guys probably think, oh, we can get there every year. You're Larry Dean. You've seen everything. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, being an elder statesman in, in this league, you have that kind of responsibility to share that knowledge so that they do know and understand where we're at right now. How are you feeling about this team? Uh, it's been a struggle, man, since July 14th, 2-8. and eight, But I feel like you guys are just like just a little bit away from turning this thing around if you can get that win. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, just a play here and a play there, but that's the game that we play. So we know that and we just have to capitalize. Can you talk to me about the touch? You're on the coverage of a Nick Dembski there. Just talk about that one. You've made some plays from way back there in the secondary, but can you take me through that touchdown play? Uh, yeah, I just take my hats off to the OC over there and Zach and uh, Dembski. They, they uh, schemed it. They had a great play call on and uh they put me kind of in a position where either way i was going to be wrong if i stayed high and covered the up rock you know he would uh run the d on me continue to run the diagonal rock mm -hmm. and if i jumped the diagonal which i did because that's what they normally have shown from film study in a four by one set uh they put Dimsky at three and bring him down and let him run the diagonal across and that's what i was anticipating is you know sometimes being a savvy player kind of got ahead of myself and uh when he went on the up i i tried to speed turn and get to him but uh it's just like I say, I tip, tip my hat to them and one, one play for them. This Hamilton team, what are we expecting from them on offense? They've kind of had a, a turbulent, if, if you've had a turbulent year, they've had a turbulent year. Right, right, yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be good. Like, you know, everyone's fighting for their lives right now to uh, secure a spot. So, it's going to be good. They have a good running game. Uh, they like to get on the perimeters and things of that nature. So, we'll see. Talk about the playoff-like atmosphere this is going to be for you guys because really it is a playoff game. If you do this, you take a huge step in towards making the playoff. Yeah, definitely. Like, we say you know what it is what we signed up for we just have to go in and do 112 for our job and be 112 and, and be together and how's the body holding up here oh uh, yeah man thankfully amen to that everything is going good yeah I, I was remarking it's been for the most part you Sankey Moncrief you've been able to stay intact for the most part this year oh uh, yes sir yeah like I say all glory to God man and uh we, you know we're constant pros you know everyone coming in taking care of their bodies and, you know massages and things of that nature you know earlier in the year everybody said you're the you're the leader of this defense Milligan said it a few guys have said it have you stepped up this week or are you stepping up this week to talk to the guys about the importance of getting focused for this one game uh, this is I've been doing it since day one so I don't think that there's any added pressure to go out and of my shell and do anything extra i mean they, everyone knows where i stand and and the message that i've been echoing man happy to watch you good luck thank you i appreciate it as riders linebacker larry dean with the voice of your saskatchewan rough riders michael ball and that's one really bright spot for the rough riders this year when you think of it larry dean darnell sankey and Derek moncrief i think they've played every single game beside each other this year. That's just been one steady flow there on the defensive side of the ball. And on the offensive side of the ball, well, you can say the exact opposite this year, of course, for the offensive line. It's been a turnstile. You don't need me to tell you that. But uh, finally, for the second game in a row here, maybe some continuity for the Riders' offensive line. Taron Vaughn at left tackle, Logan Furland at left guard, Dan Clark at center, Evan Johnson at right guard, and Cooper Richardson at right tackle. So I think that's the key for the Riders going forward. If they want to make any kind of playoff push, you got to think that this starting five remains intact. And the heartbeat of that offensive line, there's no doubt, it's Regina's own Dan Clark. 
Uh, no, you're, you prepare to win every week, and your mentality is to win every week. And if you start changing the way you prepare, something's different in you. Um, I honestly think that you prepare every single week, like it's do or die. You gotta, you gotta come with everything you got and be able to handle the adversity you face. So um, to say that we're changing any, well, at least myself changing anything that I'm preparing, I'm not. I'm still laser focused like I would be every other week. That being said, how healthy do you feel right now? Uh, I feel really healthy. I feel really good, uh, really good today. Uh, good polish day that we had, especially in pads. Uh, a little bit different for myself being uh, back to the padded uh, practices this year, but it was nice. It was nice to be able to get out there, continue to knock the rust that I have off, and uh, continue to kind of uh, mentally prepare myself for Friday night. Did something happen in, in that game? Sorry, we saw Bandy warming up a little bit. Was there yeah, a absolutely. Uh, you know, this little this little broken leg decides to act up every now and then. So I got I got I got that old man in me, so I got to give it some time off. You look pretty worried sitting there on the bench. Were you concerned that you? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think this is the most major leg injury that I had since high school, and um, to possibly think that something could be majorly wrong. And all it was just throw some tape on it. Let's get back in there, ride it till she falls off. I was taking no for an answer. I'm coming back. I'm coming back for a reason. With your experience in the league, what's it like with trade deadline approaching here? Uh, wow. Um, don't get traded. Um, you have an opportunity. You build these relationships in your locker room. Uh, I think I've I've learned over my 13 years. You build these relationships with guys and their families, and you, it's it sucks to see friends go, but it's part of the business. Um, you know, when you uh, you prepare every week to get cut kind of thing and then you continue to strive to be the better and better and better and possibly get traded it's it's something I don't wish upon anybody are you expecting any moves from the riders oh man that's a way above my pay grade <laughs> um I have no idea that I would pass that on to coach or someone else uh maybe Cody could answer that Dan way back in the beginning of the season you handled the Tiger Cats rather handedly but now you're in a position where you're fighting for a position can you explain what's happened between like game one and what's happening here in game 15? I wouldn't say handily. They have an unbelievable defense. Um, I can only speak on their defense and how they play and how they prepare. I know the Hamilton's going to be prepared. Their fans are going to be prepared for us to come into their house. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be a wonderful fight Friday night. Um, I would say nothing's really changed. Their mentalities win. Like, again, if you're not preparing to win every week, something's wrong as you a professional. Uh, I think every single one of you view your jobs the same. You prepare for this meeting or this media circle with the questions you have, right? Same with us. What questions do we have? What do we need to get answered for Friday night? There's Ryder Center, Dan Clark. And yeah, that was after practice yesterday. That's why uh, the trade deadline talk was in there. And of course, no surprise, nothing big happened or anything at all really across the league. And I think it's coming to that point now where Going forward, can we just not talk about the trade deadline like it's like the NHL trade deadline? Like, let's not even make it a thing going forward because it's just not the same. I mean, we talked about it for like two days straight, trade trade deadline this, trade deadline that. Nothing ever happens in football trade deadlines. And if something does happen, you know, it's, it's nothing big. But uh, it's really great to have Dan Clark back at center. And this is one thing that's really exciting for the Riders tomorrow. Finally, some depth at offensive line. And you can make the argument, okay, it's not really the best depth, but it's better than what we've had before because Clark, obviously your starter at center, but Logan Bandy will be backing him up tomorrow. And uh, Josiah St. John will be backing up Cooper Richardson. So that's a whole lot better. Nothing against Bandy and St. John, but uh, just a few short weeks ago, Bandy and St. John were in the starting lineup and really no depth behind that whatsoever. So that's something to kind of 
keep your eye out for going into the game tomorrow, and hopefully we don't have to test that depth at all. And I hope I'm not jinxing it now. But uh, I feel like the Riders are finally getting a little bit healthier at the right time here. Pretty much everybody back in the starting lineup. Of course, not Anthony Lanier the second on the defensive side of the ball. And I really feel like that's limited uh, the Riders' production on defense. But uh, one step at a time. Let's get this win tomorrow in Hamilton. And we're going to talk more about it in the 5 o'clock hour with TSN's Glenn Suter on press coverage. We're going to take a break. Head to the news and be back on the other side. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Travel day for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Big game tomorrow in the Hammer. I'm Sean Kleisinger, Sports Cage for Spreads.ca. Sign up using the code CKRM and you'll receive a free $25 sports bet. And hey, today at 2 o'clock, the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation raffled off the Orange jerseys the Riders wore in warm-ups last week and all proceeds going towards Indigenous sport programs and community events in the province. And speaking of jerseys, made me think of this. Really random, but I found my long-lost Paul McCallum jersey a few days ago. I thought I lost that puppy, but no, I found it. It was buried under the abyss. But uh, you're probably thinking, a Paul McCallum jersey? And I'm like, yeah, I'm all about the jerseys that you don't see very often. You know, kickers are people too. And McCallum had a pretty awesome career. I mean, for years, he was really good. He was outside of that uh, one November evening in BC in 2004. And I think you know where I'm going with that. But we don't need to go there. Hey, it's a big weekend in the CFL and NFL. And hey, Major League Baseball starts their playoffs tomorrow. The Blue Jays in action against the Mariners, 207 Start time, Saskatchewan time tomorrow. So for all your best betting wagers, here's Ballsy with Nolan Dalla of Spreads.ca. Nolan Dalla from Vegas. How are you today, man? Hey, Michael. This is the most wonderful time of the year for sports, isn't it? Well, it is. This in June. I like this part in June when we're wrapping up NHL, NBA, uh, CFL's about to fire up, NFL training camps are coming. These are my two favorite times of year. Before we get to the Riders and the Tiger Cats and maybe Thursday night football here, let's talk Toronto Blue Jays, Seattle Mariners as uh, baseball is back. Uh, in terms of the playoffs, what are you seeing with that uh, three-game wild card series? Well, three if it goes the distance. Yeah, it's really interesting, this format, you know, where the Blue Jays and the other teams host three consecutive games. What an interesting, you know, uh, uh, format for, for baseball. Uh, I think the Blue Jays are a little, getting a little too much credit here. I mean, Seattle Mariners uh, won uh, uh, just two fewer games than the Blue Jays this season, and yet they're getting uh, at spreads.ca. I have to get that in there, spreads.ca. <laughs> the, um, the, the, odds, the odds are uh, you're getting basically three to two on your, your money on uh, a bet on the underdog Mariners. I think a lot of people are still in love with the, 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 uh, the Blue Jays as this preseason AL favorite. I don't think that they've materialized into that role. I think they're a good team. But I think Seattle's really primed for a potential upset here. I'd be very concerned if I bet Toronto. I'd be really concerned if I was a fan of Toronto. Yeah, very interesting. I agree. I don't know if their pitching can hold up. That'll be interesting. And, uh, if you know, you, it's great to have a good offense like the Blue Jays, but in baseball at playoff time, pitching is what gets it done. Exactly. And, uh, you know, again, a three-game series, 
Anything can happen at any four of these. I like the dogs in all of them, honestly. Yeah, so uh, is there a long shot going into the playoffs? you like, my Padres finally made the playoffs. Now, <laughs> now, now, if Fernando Tatis doesn't hurt himself in a motorcycle accident and then subsequently with the whole drug thing, I think the Padres with their pitching staff might have a chance to challenge the Dodgers. I don't think they'll get out of the National League, but is there a long shot to start the playoffs that you like or an underdog to go the whole way? Do you, is there anybody you're kind of eyeing? up well you know the Padres it's funny you mentioned that that's the longest shot of any of the remaining uh teams in the what their 12th still in the playoffs I think the Phillies Cardinals series excuse me could be really uh interesting either one of those teams I think is capable of making a run with, with the way they're, they're built yeah I like I like actually I like the Padres against the Mets in the first round I really do because San Diego had an opportunity or uh, showed very well against the Mets during the regular season and I think in a three-game series uh, San Diego, when you stack up Snell, you stack up Hugh Darvish, and you stack up Joe Musgrove, I think that three-man rotation can get it done for the Padres in a short series like that. I think in baseball, too, in particular, maybe Toronto's a little different because it's indoors where everything is contained in terms of the sound. But you're not – crowd really doesn't matter in baseball that much. Yeah, and the Mets aren't the same team they were, say, the last two or three months as they were the first – half of the season. We thought the Mets were going to run away with it early. They haven't been that good in the second half of the season, and uh, I completely agree with you. I think the Padres are plus 165 uh, on that series. You know, could they could they win the series? Absolutely. I love that price. So the Riders take on the Tiger Cats on Friday. It's a must win for both teams, really for Hamilton if they want any hope. And if the Riders want to bury the Tiger Cats, get back to some winning ways. They've only won twice since July the 14th as a promising season has gone south. Uh, the, the Riders are actually the underdogs in this one. I like the Riders in this game. I think they've been close. They just got to get over the hump. Yeah, I don't know why they're 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 dogs here. I I completely agree with you, except that you know you just look at the CFL and the way the the West is so much better than the East, and the way this the 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 playoffs are going to go, and then it's kind of like Winnipeg and and everybody else. I mean, it just seems like who's going to get you know I don't want to say flattened by the Blue Bombers, but I, it's just it just seems like we're waiting for that moment. Like it's all window dressing until we get to you know, the final game. Yeah, for sure. So the Rough Riders, Tiger Cats, it's an over-under of 49.5. What Do you do? You like the under in that one? I th- two of these offenses has, haven't exactly been lighting it up this year. Uh, the Riders' defense has been off as of late, but I kind of like the under in this one. Yeah, I agree with you totally on that. I mean, that seems like CFL totals are just a little bit high. It's just, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what it is. It's certainly, uh, you know, except except for, you know, uh, we, we've had some defenses that have, that have obviously the Blue Bombers defense is superior here, uh, and to see uh, uh, to see some defenses come up in the CFL. I mean, who would have thought CFL uh, uh, defensive football? But I think that's ruling uh, the roost here, and I I think the totals in, on most games are two or three points higher than they should be. Yeah, okay. And so let's get to the Thursday night football game here tonight. Uh, Nolan Dalla from spreads.ca. The Indianapolis Colts against the Denver Broncos. Really interesting. Denver's down to their third string running back and Jonathan Taylor is not playing for the Indianapolis Colts. So, uh, you know, I would, I actually like, uh, you know, a couple of prop bets in this game. If I look at the Indy Denver game, I look at, uh, Naheem Hines, number 21 for the Colts. He's kind of a scat back. I'm actually going to take the over 68.5 in his rushing plus receiving yards. I think he's going to get a lot of touches out of the backfield with Taylor out. 
I'm uh, I've got my pencil going here, and I'm out of ink. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go! I, I, you've done your homework, Michael. That's 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 well done. I have to look at that. I think that's that's well thought out. I'm just looking at the game spread at three. The Colts are plus uh, three yeah. at spreads.ca. The total of forty two is the current uh, number, yeah. and. Uh, Gee, the way the Denver offense is sputtering, I don't know how they can lay points to anybody right now. And you know, you know, the Colts are coming off obviously the big upset of Kansas City. You know, that's that's a that probably saved their season what a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I think I think this is a close game. You got to take the field goal, but the props, I'm going to look at that. I think that's uh, good advice. Yeah, no, and it's interesting, right? You got Indy in Denver. Indy, uh, you're right. They did have a big win against KC, but then they kind of lay an egg at home against Tennessee. So they're battling right now. And I think actually, I'm with you because I think Indianapolis is battling for. They're more desperate in terms of their coach and GM are on the hot seat, Ballard and Reich, and of course Denver's coach a bit on the hot seat, but he was. Just just hired so it's not as urgent there and uh, their running back is hurt too so I don't know I, I think you're right I'm, I'm taking the Colts plus three points there for sure but I uh, 42 and a half that might be worth the under two man I agree with you as well as with so much inconsistency on both offenses defense on Denver's pretty darn good it is in Denver and uh, would anybody be surprised by 2017 final either way? Got one more thing, from Michael, and your audience. You've got to hear this. Is there such a thing as a bet that can't lose? Well, how about this? On Friday night, the NHL season is starting. It's over in the Czech Republic, right? They have those couple of games with Nashville playing San Jose yeah. uh, opening night. And uh, Spreads has a can't-lose bet. The over-under on the game is one goal. One goal. So you can bet the over and uh, – Cash easy. Sign up at spreads.ca. Make that bet. You cannot lose. Has there ever been a hockey game that went 0-0? I don't think so. Well, you can't do it now. No, absolutely. That's interesting, man. That's interesting. Hey, thanks for your time, Nolan uh, Dollar. And uh, you can check out uh, everything uh, that there is to offer at spreads.ca by signing up and use the promo code CKRM for some great deals. Thanks for your time, man. Go Riders. See you next week. Nolan Dollar of spreads.ca with Michael Ball on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hey, on the other side, let's talk some Regina Pats hockey because last night was a beautiful win. Beautiful road win in Brandon, and the stars were out. They were racking up points. Zuzdalev looks like he's going to be a player. We'll hear from Pats assistant coach Ken Schneider after the win last night with Dante DeCaria. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca. On 620 CKRM, Regina Pats with a nice win last night. Man, it's nice to win a game on the road. Seems like the last couple of years it's been hard to come by, but a nice 3-1 to one win last night in Brandon, and man, the Stars were playing outstanding. Connor Bedard, Alexander Zuzdalev playing great, and uh, how about Matthew Keeper between the pipes? He faced over 50 shots last night, and he only gave up one goal in front of 2,875 people at West Toba Place in Brandon. Here's how it sounded. Thornton had to go off his skate. Now back up top to the line, Hammett. In the slot, fires that one over the net. Rebound in front, keeper can't find it, they score! It's Thornton! How on the far side. How gets crunched by Highland. Now left point, here's Bedard. Slides it across, one-timer scores! 
Alexander Suzlev. He's got goals in back-to-back -back games. The Pats answer on the power play. It's 1-1. Weird bounce. Vallis centered in front, and a great save by Bjarnason on Bedard. Gets it back. How scores! Tanner Howe with his third of the season, and it is 2-1 Regina. 45 seconds into the second. Highland near side gets leveled by Adam McNutt. Another kabang by the Pats. Here's Danielson racing through center. He splits past Howe, right side, centered across. It's loose in front. Great save by Keeper as he just robbed Nolan Ritchie. Point blank. As there's a lead penalty, here's Michaels to the net. Shoots, pad save, rebound in front. They score. Alexander Suzalev to make it 3-1 Pats with 5.35 to go in the third. His second of the night and third of the season. Throws it in front. Stopped by Keeper. There's save number 50 as he holds on. In over the line, Chaseon drops it off, and that one comes outside, and the Pats on the road snap their two-game losing streak with a 3-1 victory. So, yeah, really good performance from the Regina Pats last night. Here's Dante DiCaria with Pats assistant coach Ken Schneider after the game. Kenny, I always really enjoy talking to you after a win in Brandon. How sweet does this one taste? Yeah, it, uh, it feels pretty good, to be honest with you, Dante. Um, you know, our, our goaltender was the difference tonight, and uh, you know, so I'm really proud and happy for for uh, Matthew tonight. Kenny, I had the absolute pleasure being joined with Matt Calvert, who said he knows you very well and knows Mark very well as well. Um, Maddie was was awesome here in the booth today. Kenny, uh, Maddie, do you have anything to say to Mr. Ken Schneider? It it was great to see you out there. I love seeing you behind the bench, Kenny, and uh, what a treat it is uh, for the Regina Pats to have you in their organization. Well, I appreciate that, Matt. Uh, um, Obviously, uh, we go way back. Uh, I watched you play a lot of hockey here as a minor hockey kid and, uh, you know, um, outstanding person. And um, so, yeah, it, it, it feels good to be part of hockey and in the Western Hockey League, that's for sure. Kenny, uh, Matt Calvert was uh, talking. He named um, Mateo Michaels our hardest working pad of the night. And uh, you know what? We've seen so many strides from Mateo, and I thought that third goal was so pivotal for you guys to get this victory. Just what he did on that play, skating down the wing, and right away, Matty pointed out, like, that's a coach's dream right there, to get it off the pad right on the guy's tape. How proud were you of Mateo to, to help get that goal late? Yeah, you know, it, it started before he even got here. He did all the work this past summer, and uh, you know, we'd had exit meeting with Mateo way back when, back last spring, and uh, he really put the time in. Uh, he's put on some weight. He's a lot stronger. And uh, he started to earn more ice time as a result. He's becoming a pretty good penalty killer for us. And, uh, you, know, we, uh, you know, tonight was just a good example of we put him in tough situations against in key moments of the game. And he came through. And, um, you know, that, that play down the wall to put the puck on the goal is, like Matt said, that's a dream come true because if you miss – it goes the other way, and then it's you know an outnumbering situation. So, you know, it just happens to land on the right guy's stick. Uh, so, you know, good on him. And yes, I I would agree. He he was our hardest working player tonight. And uh, Kenny, I wanted to ask about Matthew Keeper's performance. Myself and Matt were just raving about his play tonight. Like just how good he played. Fifty-one saves on fifty-two shots. Like I would have to look through all the game logs to find the last time a Pats goaltender stopped 51 of 52 or 50 plus to get a victory. How dialed in was Matthew Keeper today? Well, it's just, it's one of those games where, you know, when you're on the bench, you're watching, you just, uh, as the game starts to progress, you could just see he was, he was sucking up all the pucks. He wasn't giving out a lot of rebounds. And, you know, you just start to get the sense that he was going to be really difficult to beat tonight. Um, you know, and it's, it's frustrating for the opponent when you put that many pucks to the net. 
Um, but, you know, again, uh, for Matthew, that, that, that was a game changer for him, I think. And, uh, you know, you can only get more confidence from an, an effort like that. Um, we thought up here in the broadcast booth, the second period was, was a big difference for this Pats team. I thought you guys had a ton of energy. You were laying the body. You were hard on the forecheck. Like, you guys were just all over every single puck that the Wheat Kings had, and then you had a huge five-on-three penalty kill. How important was the second period for this group to have the 2-1 lead heading into the third? Just all, It seemed like you did all the little things right in the second. Well, you know, we to be quite honest, we didn't have a very good first period. Uh, you know, we kind of lived on our goaltenders quite a bit in the first, and then got a goal uh, on the power play to keep it one-one. But uh, yeah, our second period was much better. We, I, I would say, we got better as the game wore on, and uh, a lot of that was due to, you know, good goaltending, uh, which then, you know, it's it's like it all starts from there, and then you work you work out from there, and. Uh, yeah, our, our our second period was was real good. The, the big kill that five on three was huge for us. And uh, Kenny, just before we let you go, you've got two tough games coming up Friday and Saturday: Winnipeg and Swift Current. How much uh, does this game give you a little bit of mojo, more confidence for this group to say like we played a pretty good game? You got a good goaltending performance up against you know two tough teams coming up. So, um, how much is that an aspect for this team going forward? Have a little bit of motivation, a little bit of mojo going into Friday and Saturday. Well, definitely, we know that you know Winnipeg's pretty high powered, and you know we're going to have to play a kind of an airtight defensive game, and um, you know wait for our breaks. You know that's going to be a real challenge for us, and then Swift Current, uh, of course, is going to come into town, and they've got a good young core. Uh, they're an up-and-coming team, so there's no gifts this weekend. It's going to be hard work, but yeah, I, you know, I, I like that. Uh, you know, and we're missing a couple of key players in in Rowan and Dubinsky. You know, to get those guys back in the lineup, and you know, I, I'd like to say that Sam was really good. I remember tonight, you know, for his first game flying in late last night, and uh, you could see that there's there's lots of talent there. Um, and, you know, he thinks the game. So, you know, it's exciting to, to see a young player like that uh, join our team. Kenny, thank you so much for the time. Congratulations on the victory here in Brandon, and good luck Friday night against the ice. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dante. Pat's assistant coach Ken Schneider with Dante DeCarry after last night's 3-1 to win for the Pats over those Wheaties. Let's keep this thing rolling. The Pats are finally back at the Brandt Center tomorrow and on Saturday. So uh, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, just saying, we got some Regina Pats hockey right here in our own backyard. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop tomorrow, our pregame show on the air at 6.35 on RM2. Remember that, note that, because, of course, tomorrow there's another big game happening out east in Hamilton. Press coverage with Glenn Suter coming up next. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca. On 620 CKRM. Press coverage with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. So, how excited is Glenn Suter for the Toronto Blue Jays to start their playoff push tomorrow <laughs> afternoon? I'm just kidding. I know you're not a baseball guy, but uh, are you going to watch any of the Blue Jays postseason push, Glenn? Maybe if they get to the World yeah. Series, maybe? Yeah, I will. I will. Obviously, I mean, I'm Canadian first, yeah. and and when Canadian teams are are doing well in you know the NHL or Major League Baseball and our Blue Jays or you know even sort of the Mariners in some ways, but yeah. I um you know I baseball is not really my sport because it kind of is is a little slow for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to see <laughs> a little more physicality in the sports that I watch. That's why I like hockey or football. 
yeah. some rugby. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's great for Canada, and, and good luck to the Blue Jays. Yeah, Mariners and Blue Jays start things off tomorrow, 2 p.m. Saskatchewan time in Toronto for the wild card series. But we're here to talk football. That's what we do. We've talked a lot about this, and I just wanted to get a quick thought from you. I was watching the NFL London game this past weekend, and uh, mm-hmm. there's another one coming up on Sunday at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, later this year, there will be the first ever game in Germany. It will take place at Allianz Arena in Munich. And over 60,000 European fans showing up to watch these uh, American football games. And, hey, it's making the NFL money in the process. Can you imagine that? It's making them money. Now, the CFO Global <laughs> Initiative, as far as I am aware, I don't know if it makes money for the league. Do you think the CFL should look into maybe playing a game a year globally? Like, is that a thing? I know logistically, I don't know if that's feasible for the league, but the only way, in my opinion, that you're going to win over fans is if you bring the product to them. You don't know if you're going to like that steak unless you eat it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think there's probably some um, financial sort of restrictions there as far as, uh, you know, budgets and, and what that would cost. Um, you know, and the, and the global initiative is, is I'm not sure, just like you, because, you know, we really haven't heard much from the league on exactly how the CFL is benefiting from the global uh, experiment. And, you know, there are some, there are a handful of, of good global players on rosters. So, yep. so that's good. Um, but, but I agree. I mean, ultimately, if we could take the Canadian Football League and play a game, a neutral site game like we did in Halifax this year, mm-hmm. and take that over and do it in London or Italy or something, mm-hmm. and then you build your own, you build your own fan base there, and teams will start or fans will start to pick their favorite teams in Canada and follow them, and that's when you probably can look at merchandise sales and things like that to help, um, you know, to help generate revenues. So. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, to to fly two teams and full rosters yeah, that's and everything to Europe, it's going to be, I'm not sure if budget-wise that would work just yet, but hopefully with some of these new initiatives, revenues will grow, and, and that's possible one day. I just kind of wish that us as fans, you know, just I'm speaking for myself, you know, I just wish we would kind of have the inside track more on what's going on. Like, we haven't really heard anything about the global initiative. We don't really hear anything about it until the global draft happens and stuff. And I just wish there was more, you know, articles that we can read about it or just more things in our face that can show mm-hmm. us uh, what's out there. But let's, uh, man, I walked outside this morning, Glenn, and for the first time this season, I thought to myself, Oh, yeah, baby. The playoffs are coming. The cool air filled my lungs, and just like the smell of outside made me feel like it was playoff time. And did you know that on this coming Sunday, we will be just six weeks away until the Grey Cup? Six weeks. Are you ready to bring it to the heartland, Glenn, or what? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't even actually do the math on the weeks that we have to go because I've been just looking from week to week. But, yeah, you know what? Um, We are in that season. We are ready to go. This is is about positioning now. The the three sort of segments of the season, the first segment you find out who you are and what you got. In the middle section, you're probably dealing with a lot of injuries, changes, differences, you know, replacing some players, making – uh, you know, changes that you have to make, some force, some on your own, like in Edmonton. And then that, that final third is about, you know, positioning in the playoffs 
and whether or not you can host a game. Now, the, the Riders can't do that now, mm-hmm. but they can still make the playoffs. And, and this game coming up on Friday night is, is the first playoff game and step to getting a, an opportunity to, to win two games and get to the cup in their backyard. And that's still possible. I know there's a lot of doubters, but as guys in that locker room, I hope they still believe. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to. Obviously, we're going to talk about this big game in a few seconds here, but I just want to go back to. I don't think there's a better city in the country to have a great cup in. Not only because the best fans in the country are here, but just the location for the festival and all that. It's at the Real District, perfect facility with basically everything under one roof. Kind of gets me thinking too. Like I think the league should bring the CFL scout, uh, scouting combine here to Regina every winter. I think that's a thing that they should do again and just make it an every year type thing i know this is kind of like off-season talk but don't you think that's like a good idea maybe going forward uh, i love it i lo- absolutely love it yeah I, and i would even take it a step further how about um you know a, a camp for kids mm-hmm. with cfl players that come you know just skill camp like no no pads and stuff like that you get into insurance and things like that with pads on but just sort of flag football fun tournaments or fun camps for kids um, sort of a, a combine for recruits. And then you have a quarterback all-star challenge. Oh, where, yes. Where you get, all, you get all the starting quarterbacks and they throw to targets and they throw to moving targets and then they throw to drop it in a bucket on a deep ball. Then they throw to, you know, to you, know, I, you don't even have to do velocity but because you don't want anyone to hurt themselves trying to strain too much. But, you know, it just... Mm-hmm. Something that has very low risk of injury, but you get your star quarterbacks all in one place at one time. And that is a tremendous TV show. Could you imagine, uh, you know, TSN panel breaking down the skill sets of each quarterback and each team, and then a surprise comes up and you think that Zach Kolaros is more accurate than Cody Fajardo throwing, and then Cody Fajardo wins that competition. And and now, you know, you you can build on that narrative for a long time. So, you know what I mean? It, it would be a ton of fun, and I couldn't agree with you more. And I I kind of remember years ago, because I remember Neilon Green, I think, when he was with the Rough Riders. He was uh, taking part in like a, some kind of competition. I'm pretty sure like that used to happen once in a while, or am I out to lunch on this when quarterbacks would no, have like no. a competition? Yeah, no, it did happen. It used to a long, long time ago, and I don't remember how many years, but um, I remember, uh, you know, quarterbacks – throwing to a guy driving a golf cart with a a helmet on and a big, huge net attached to the back of the, of the golf cart. And he would drive across the field and the quarterbacks would have to hit the net and have to throw it in the net with a moving target. And then there were other sort of, you know, different challenges for these guys to, to see who was, who was the most accurate, who could, throw it the quickest, the quickest release, those kind of things where you drop back, plant, and throw, you know, a lot of different things. Could you could you see Nathan Rourke, Zach Kolaros, and Cody Fajardo, and, you know, Dane Evans going head-to-head in a showdown to see who's the most accurate on moving targets on the post route? I would honestly, would be yeah, cool. I would pay money to see that, honestly. I would. I know there may be some people that wouldn't, but, like, I would for sure at least watch it if it was on TV. Yeah, yeah, and you know what, Zinger, you, you could also, you know, you build your 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 quarterback uh, trading cards, and, and that's when that starts at that time, and the kids that come out to watch that event, which would be live and televised, 
with stands so you could you could try to put you know 2000 people in there so it looks cool on television and we make a 1 hour show where we do backgrounds on each quarterback but also then show the competition and i i just you know there's there's and that you know i'm not sure that would cost a lot of money i mean if you had fan engagement that could start you know sort of boy the costs a couple um, of sponsors yeah a couple of big sponsors, and you know, I think you could do it relatively inexpensively. Yeah, very good idea there, Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline. All right, Glenn, Riders tie cats tomorrow. You know, I I save this for last because I get nervous when I talk about it. To be honest, I'm nervous for tomorrow. Riders and tabbies, and uh, I did some digging earlier on this week. I was crunching some numbers and some scenarios. And I came up with this, and um, I'm like 99.9% sure this is right. But if the Riders can beat the mm-hmm. Hamilton Tiger Cats tomorrow, they will eliminate uh, the Edmonton Elks. They will have the tiebreaker over the Elks. And if the Riders beat the Tiger Cats tomorrow, the Riders could lose the last two games against Calgary and still get that crossover if Hamilton loses one more game and Ottawa loses one more game. And, oh, and by the way, Hamilton and Ottawa play each other two more times. And I know that's a lot to digest, but I'm just saying, basically in a nutshell, if the Riders win this football game tomorrow, pretty much in the playoffs. So it's a pretty big game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, that's true. And, you know, even if, you know, if, if they win and Hamilton has Calgary in Calgary yes. after this Rider game. And Calgary is fighting tooth and nail with the BC Lions for home field advantage in the Western semifinal. So, you know, that game means a ton to them. And they're going to have everybody going. You know, Ottawa with no coach and the coaching change, you know there's always a blip up in the first week or two when you make a coaching change. So, yeah, I mean, this this game is the game of the regular season. Um, You know, it is the most important for both those two teams. You know, the other teams are, are basically in the playoffs or on the outside looking in. Edmonton at Winnipeg, that's, you know, basically first place locked up for the Bombers. Edmonton's probably not going to make the playoffs anyway, as you mentioned. And, you know, so so the, the, the important positioning now goes to BC, Calgary, Hamilton, Saskatchewan. But this game is the game of the regular season, no question. What do you think the key for victory for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is tomorrow? And I know like when people are asked this question, it's usually like the same type of answer because, you know, there's only so many answers when it comes to keys of the game. But like what do you think the Riders need to do tomorrow to win this game at the donut box at Tim Hortons Field? Well, I've been saying it all week, and I'll keep saying it, that it's not measurable, and it's not a matchup here or there. I mean, each individual is going to have to win their one-on-one battles more than they lose. That That is the game. I mean, whether you're an O-lineman or a receiver, you have to win on your route. The quarterback has to see you're winning and, and you know recognize the defense and put the ball you know right on you. The old linemen have to execute their blocks. You have to win those one-on-one battles. But the 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 issue, or not the issue, but the the focus to me has got to be next play. And and I've been saying it all week because I think that's what's missing is there's this roller coaster of emotion going on. Sometimes bad things happen to the team that that linger for two or three plays later. Sometimes a whole series later. You know the defense yeah. sees a turnover by the offense. 
and the defense allows 70 yards and a field goal. Well, the defense had nothing to do with that turnover. The defense needs to just lock into what their assignments are and go and get a two and out to get the ball back to their offense. And and that very next play mentality is is to me crucial. The concentration on the next play. And I've been saying it all week and in the pregame, I'm going to say it again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir, <laughs> because man. I, I really believe that's something that's missing with Saskatchewan. And if they can get it, they've got the talent out there to win. Oh, I, I hope they can just grasp onto something tomorrow and just bring it together for this one game, bring home a win, and like we've been talking about, pretty much in the playoffs if they can win this game. It's a 5.30 p.m. kickoff tomorrow night here on 620 CKRM, our pregame show on the air at 2.30. And, Glenn, I'll chat with you on the pregame uh, with uh, Michael Ball tomorrow. And it'll be fun. It's going to be a fun weekend, big, big game. Yes, sir. That's Glenn Suter on the Western Pizza Hotline. And yeah, I kind of wish I could just close my eyes and open them and it will be kickoff for tomorrow, you know? The wait is just killing me, and I'm sure you share the same sentiment. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. It's 549 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. Where professional service is guaranteed, they'll treat you right 781-2090. Thursday night football tonight in the National Football League sees the 1-2-1 Indianapolis Colts and Denver to take on the 2-2 Broncos star running back Jonathan Taylor. Not in the lineup tonight for the Colts as he is nursing a bit of an ankle injury right now. That's a 6.15 p.m. kickoff tonight. Canadian Tire and Esso Brands withdrew its support on Thursday for Hockey Canada's men's program, the latest in a flood of sponsors to do so. Since Tuesday's parliamentary hearing in Ottawa, a number of hockey federations as well from across Canada have come out today calling for a review of Hockey Canada's action plan. And Prime, uh, Prime Minister rather Justin Trudeau said Thursday that the federal government Well, they could step in and create a new national body to replace the scandal-plagued federation if they must. So uh, there's no doubt we're going to hear more about this in the next couple days, unfortunately. Just an unfortunate situation. Soccer superstar Lionel Messi for all you soccer fans out there. And I know there's some of them. We've had a couple friendlies here in the Queen City. And there's a lot of people that go to those games, thousands of them. So check this out. Lionel Messi announced today on his social media that this winter's World Cup, it's going to be his last. So Messi is still undecided on which team he's going to play for next year. Is it going to be PSG? Is he going to be Barcelona? Do you want to live in France or do you want to live in Spain? I think when you have that much money, it doesn't really matter. You're just wanting to play soccer. Answer my own question. NHL News, the Dallas Stars have signed Jason Robertson to a four-year contract extension worth $7.75 million per year. And, hey, I forgot about this as well. Good news for Canadian Football League fans. Remember way back week one of the season, Mariel Alouette's running back, William Stanbeck, he got hurt. Well, fast forward to October 6th. William Stanbeck is on the active roster for Monday's game against the Ottawa Red Blacks. So that's very good news. So keep that in mind if you're setting your CFL fantasy rosters because maybe he'll get the start on Thanksgiving Monday. That would be really good because... Uh, We need our star players on the field in this league. I think there's no argument there. So the Riders, they boarded up and sailed away to Hamilton, Ontario today. And uh, this is going to be a tough game. 
Hamilton, Tim Hortons Field is always a tough place to play. And uh, one staple in the defense this year, I was just kind of thinking back, you know, to all the games that we've had. One guy who is a tackling machine, you might be thinking, yeah, Darnell Sankey. Yes, him. But another one has been Roland Milligan. He brings a whole lot of NFL experience with him. He was on the Indianapolis Colts for a while there, and he brings a different type of leadership to that Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense. And I'm going to play you his uh, meeting with the media from yesterday, and you could kind of just hear it in his voice of how much a leader this guy is. Here's Roland Milligan. In and out of the building is a must-win game. You know, we've been not not doing as good as we wanted to be, so, you know, we're in that position, but it's still important whether we were in the position or not, it's still the next game, so. Craig said he's changed his messaging a little bit to emphasize how big this game is. Have you noticed that this week? Yeah, you know, he talks about a lot of different things, but, um, you know, every week is something, and it's just, we, we got to win it. Is there a challenge to this defense to get back to what they were doing beginning of the season among the league's elite? Last few games, giving up more points than you guys were at that point. Do you, do you guys view this as a challenge? Every week is a challenge, but like we've been playing bad. You know, everybody knows we've been playing bad, so we want to be the best. You know, we came out strong, fell off a lot. We're trying to get back to where we were. What does Dane Evans kind of represent as a challenge at that quarterback spot? Uh, he's, he's a good guy. You know, he, nice arm. He can move. You know, and, um, he got a lot of good guys to throw the ball to, so. Definitely going to be a challenge. How would you describe your season so far this late? You're among the league leaders in pass knockdowns, though. I don't care. We're losing. <laughs> I, want to, I want to win, you know. So. Well, what are the dynamics like when you go so long without seeing a team and having to rely so much on film heading into a late game against the Tavis? Uh, I mean, it's just building habits, you know. A lot of teams, they run a lot of the same route concepts, you know, or they run the same run plays, you know. But um, every team has a tendency, so you know, film study definitely helps with that. And then it's just you know relying on technique, technique and fundamentals. Is there an added onus on film study this week, like I alluded to, when you haven't seen the team in so long? Uh, yeah, to an extent. But I mean, you know, guys be watching film no matter who we're playing or when we played them. It's been a while since the Riders had an interception. Have you guys talked about that? You're the last guy to have a pick in that game against Edmonton. Uh, yeah, I personally have been emphasizing it. Um, you know, I talk to Coach Shive every week after our games, and I told him, you know, we haven't been turning the ball over. And, you know, that's something that really helps us win games, so we're trying to get back to doing that. Is there a reason for that why it's happened to really get the turnovers? Is it the changes on the defensive line or the, the way things have gone this season? Not necessarily. I mean, you know, we've all had opportunities to, to make turnovers, and, you know, we didn't, didn't get them, you know. I've dropped some interceptions. Other guys have dropped interceptions. Or, we, you know, we've missed some fumbles. Ball's been on the ground. We haven't recovered them. We just got to take advantage of the opportunities when they come. You're attacking a machine out there. Is that something, is that part of your game that you like? You know, you got 63 or 58 tackles, sorry. Is that part of your game? Uh, yeah, I, I said it earlier in the year, you know, I want to be a reliable teammate. You know, one thing, playing on defense, you got to be able to tackle. So I always take pride in that. You also, most of your games have been against, funny, your best games have been it's being against Hamilton. That's going to be, you know, the first game you played last season that was meaningless. Is there something about Hamilton that works out well for you? I try to play good every game. <laughs> you know, there just happen to be games that I, you know, I just was able to show out a little bit. How much does it, last year's experience just getting one game helped you out this year to adapt to the way things have gone? Can you repeat that? Last year you only had one game experience. This year, and how much of that could you draw upon that to, to how you perform this year? 
A uh, little bit, you know, more so just from film study and like how they attacked us. But, you know, last year when we played them, I was playing at Sam, I wasn't playing at half. So, you know, it's a different area to feel, you know, different route concepts and stuff. It was a whole different position. But, yeah. But you seem pretty comfortable the one you're at now, though, aren't you? Yeah, I got some, you know, some games underneath me, you know, a lot of reps, you know, that helps out a lot. And then just being around guys that, you know, help me, help bring me along. Yeah. It's been good. Riders halfback, Roland Milligan. You can just tell that that guy's a leader, you know. He's approaching the coaching staff and saying, yo, we haven't, you know, got an interception in weeks. So we got to get this changed. And uh, hopefully it changes tomorrow. It's a big game. It's a 5.30 p.m. kickoff at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. Our pregame show will be on the air with Countdown to Kickoff with Daniela Ponticelli starting at 2.30 p.m. right here on 620 CKRM. We're going to head to break here, but before we do so, give me a call right now for Sastel. Pick the score. We got uh, one more home game left in the 2022 season. And uh, it's against the Calgary Stampeders. So if you want to go to the game, I got two tickets for you. You just got to call 306-936-6262. And uh, we'll get you to that game. And hopefully the Riders will be on the inside track to a playoff spot when you do enter Mosaic Stadium on that October 22nd. Heading to break on the other side, we're going to chat with Sportsnet's Arash Madani, who is at the media day today at the Rogers Center ahead of tomorrow's big wildcard series between the Seattle Mariners and the Toronto Blue Jays. That's coming up in a few minutes. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. Line Arash, how are you doing today? Are you ready for playoff baseball? Do you have your rally towel? <laughs> I'm looking at a bunch of rally towels right now, Zinger. Among 50,000 of them, I'm standing in front wow. of the Jays' dugout, looking out onto the field right now. Uh, they have the postseason logo along the third base and the first baseline. Uh, both teams just finished their workouts. They did a media availability. I'm actually getting a sneak peek at the Jumbotron and what the uh, opening ceremony is going to be like tomorrow. Ooh. But the entire place is outfitted in wild card and postseason signage, and it is October, and it is playoff time. It is October, and I saw one of those videos on social media today of like the the paint dudes just filling in all the logos on the turf, and it's oh, like yeah. so. They just left. Oh yeah, it's so satisfying. It's like some people they they like watching like zit popping videos and stuff that like satisfies right. them. Well, for me, I love watching grounds crews doing their work. I mean, I watched that video like ten times or so. But uh, a rash like I was kind of breaking this series down in my mind a few minutes ago during the news there, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I was looking at all these numbers, and then I kind of just threw my pen and I was like, you know what, man, like. These numbers are just a result of the marathon that is the regular season. How much do these right. numbers actually mean in a three-game series? Heck, I mean, you could put the Kansas City Royals in one of these series, and they could get hot and pick up a couple wins. I'm sorry, Mike Matheny, I had to bring you, you uh, your old team up here. But, like, it's yeah. a three-game series. So yeah. can and we just I put these numbers, those numbers Yeah, I think a lot of those numbers are now insignificant. And I was actually... As he was walking off the field, I was chatting with uh, Jay's hitting coach, Guillermo Martinez. And I said, you know, so often in the postseason, it's a lot of unlikely heroes that emerge. You know, Cardinals win a World Series. Who was David Fries before then? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I asked Guillermo, who could it be? And his answers were Vlad and Springer. 
They said, what do you mean, Vlad? He said, right now, numbers don't matter. Stats don't matter. You know, any kind of attention doesn't matter. Your approach changes. And, he, you know, Guillermo's point was that Vlad, in big moments, in big situations, really steps up. So that was that. The other, Springer, World Series MVP in the past, has been in so many October games before, got to another World Series in 2019 with the Astros that won seven games. So it's funny, on a team with so much star power that's had some depth really show lately, Danny Jansen's bat has gotten hot, with Merrifield's bat has gotten hot, it's, it's the two stars that you would think about being the ones that will be center stage in many of the Blue Jays' minds tomorrow. Yeah, so I was also thinking, like, the Seattle Mariners, it's safe to classify them as a pitching-driven type team. Is yes. Yeah, so, and the Blue Jays, you know, they have experienced several disappointments on the mound this season from Hinjin Ryu, Kakushi, and then the limited contributions from, I guess, Nate Pearson's failure to amount to what we thought he was going to. When you look at it on paper, Arash, do you give the pitching advantage to the Mariners or do you give it to the Blue Jays? And I think it's a lot closer than a lot of people think, the starting rotations at least. Agreed. I give starting rotation advantage Toronto, bullpen depth advantage Seattle. And here's what's interesting, Zinger. We know Alec Manoa is going to start game one tomorrow. What we don't know is who will go game two Mm -hmm. for the Blue Jays. Will it be Gosman? We don't know. Stripling. Will will it be Stripling? Now, both of them threw a bullpen side session as scheduled for any potential game two starter today. And they did it one right after the other. And guess who was watching it? Manoa. And when it was done, the three of them kind of each gave each other fist bumps. Jose Barrios, nowhere to be found. I asked Barrios, have they told you anything about game three? He said, no. So, this is my read on this, Zinger. I think that if Manoa and the Jays win game one, that Stripling pitches game two. Mm -hmm. But if the Mariners win tomorrow, that it's Gosman who gets game two. Because you cannot go through this wild card series without Kevin Gosman getting the ball. He told us, my finger's fine. You know, he had that cut on the middle finger last week. All of that's out the window. So I think that's how this thing shakes down over the next couple of days. And game one is the game that I'm concerned about if I'm the Blue Jays because it just comes down to can the Blue Jays muster some offense against Castillo because this guy is, uh, you know, he's a pretty good pitcher. And... I know Robbie Ray is too. I'm not like Robbie Ray's penciled in to start game two. Obviously, we know what he can do. But uh, who do you give the pitching matchup to tomorrow? What kind of game do you think the Toronto Blue Jays need to play to, you know, get a win in game I, one? I have, outside of Justin Verlander Zinger, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a starting pitcher in the American League who I would buy more stock in for this these playoffs than Alec Manoa. And Verlander only gets it over Manoa because of his October experience. Over and over, Manoa's been asked to deliver big, come up big, come through big, and each time he's answered. In Baltimore the first week of September when they really needed a win. At the drop after they lost the first two against the Rays with their, you know, their playoff kind of home field hanging in the balance. 
Manoa over and over again has performed and delivered. Mm-hmm. I, he's he's it, dude. Like he's he is starter. He is finisher. He is pass rusher. He is music conductor. He is <laughs> sandwich he maker. Is, <laughs> yeah, well, whatever you need, Alec Manoa is going to do it big for you. Yeah, man. And and has done it when they really needed him in September. To not only get into the playoffs, but be able to have home field in this first round. So, uh, Arash, you were at the media day today. And uh, what's your biggest takeaway from uh, being around the ballpark today? Well, I just think the big, my biggest takeaway is how meaningful this is for so many of the Blue Jay players together, but more on a personal level, too. Like Bo Bichette has long talked about wanting this. You know, after his first season of the show, he'd watch videos of 2015, 2016, what this dome would be like, and dreamed about this moment. So he gets his tomorrow. You know, I think about a guy like David Phelps, just got 10 years of service time in the big leagues this year. May of last year, May of 2021, tore a lat muscle off his shoulder, needed a surgery that usually Olympic weightlifters would need, wasn't sure if he'd ever pitch again. And he's getting back to the playoffs for the first time since his rookie year. And he got emotional today talking about it. Hmm. Um, I chatted with Kevin Biggio. In 2016, the last time the Jays hosted a playoff game in this building, Zinger, mm-hmm. Biggio had just been drafted. He was in an instructional league in Florida, watching it on TV. And the next morning, they talk about what they watched on TV. And, of course, Jordan Romano, who grew up, you know, 25, 30 minutes from this ballpark. And it always dreamed of being a Blue Jay and pitching here. Never, you know, always thought it might happen, but wasn't quite sure if it could be possible. And now he's established himself not only as an all-star, but one of the game's elite closers. And he just said, I, I wake up every day and say to myself, is this a dream? Is this really happening? Well, yeah, it is. And all of this becomes a reality for all of them tomorrow. And they had a quick moment, each of them. Um, you know, Teoscar Hernandez was another one that I spoke with today. He arrived here in 2017, Zinger, just a young kid. No, he's married. He's got three kids. He's grown up. He's become a man here. He's endured the rebuild. He's become a vet. He's a man. Um, I'm 40. <laughs> yeah. For all, for all these guys, this means something personally, while it also means something for them together. Man, I am uh, just listening to you talk. I am just... I am very nervous for this series. This is the Madani uh, report, <laughs> by the way, for Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Arash, this might be a goofy question, but I know I know you're neutral, okay? At least, you know, reporters are, they, they say that they're neutral when they're watching games. But do you ever go to go into, like, a playoff series or a big event and kind of, you know, get the butterflies for any of the guys that you're watching out there? Because at the end of the day, you are a human being, breaking news. Yeah, right. I um. I don't feel the butterflies for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel the butterflies in some of the big moments yeah. because you realize how huge they are, you know? Yeah. This right here is going to decide so much. You get amped up when, you know, just before the national anthem, when they're doing, you know, it's kind of like a football game when they let everybody come out of the tunnel. That's when you get it. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're just doing a light show right now, Zinger, mm-hmm. uh, as part of the kind of rehearsal for the opening ceremony tomorrow. It's going to be bonkers in here tomorrow. So you feel all of that. When there's 45,000 people in a building losing their minds 
and they're going to be waving towels and they're going to be, you know, chanting and, and all those things. Um, if that doesn't make you tingle, uh, I'm not sure you are human. I'm sweating. I'm sweating a rash. And lastly, do you have a series prediction? And maybe I know, uh, you know, this playoff hasn't started yet, but do you have a World Series prediction or any type of prediction for this year's Major League Baseball playoffs? Okay, I want to give you a Blue Jays prediction about somebody. Here's what I believe. That you talked about maybe an unheralded guy doing something. Mm-hmm. The Blue Jays brought in Jackie Bradley Jr. late in the season. Mm-hmm. Savvy this vet. Dude makes ridiculous defensive plays look routine. And as you just said, Savvy Vet won a World Series with the Red Sox, ALCS MVP before. I see, I can foresee Zinger, Jackie Bradley Jr. being a late game defensive replacement and making a huge catch or a huge defensive play. His glove may very well win the Jays a critical game or make a critical play in that game that could tip the scale. So that's my, that, that's my, it's not a sexy prediction, but it's one that I can really see unfolding. Well, I like it. I was watching Jackie Bradley Jr. play yesterday in the doubleheader against the O's, and I was kind of thinking to myself, and I kid you not, Arash, I was like, these are the type of dudes that you want on your roster for, you know, a playoff push like for moments this. Moments like these. Yeah, yeah, man. So I can't wait for it. Game one of the wild card series goes tomorrow. Blue Jays and Mariners from the Rogers Center. It's a two oh seven PM opening pitch. Saskatchewan time. Arash, enjoy the series, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, you know, the Jays will be in the from ALDS. Houston. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully I'll be on with you from Houston, my man. Yes, sir. We'll talk to you next week. That's Arash Madani. On the Western Pizza Hotline, wrapping up the show next. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. 623 inside the Sports Cage. The Madani Report was brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Gully at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Talking Blue Jays baseball, it's going to be... Very nerve-wracking starting tomorrow. Tomorrow as a whole is going to be very nerve-wracking for a lot of sports fans here in Saskatchewan because, yes, there's a lot of Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans and Toronto Blue Jay fans here in our great province. And uh, tomorrow is a big day for both those teams. And I want to finish my thought here. we got a few more moments before uh, we put a bow on this show on this uh, Thursday. I almost said Tuesday. No, it's a Thursday. Uh, I want to kind of touch on this one more time i was looking at the depth chart for the saskatchewan rough riders and i never noticed it at first but at a second glance no charleston hughes uh in the lineup for the saskatchewan rough riders tomorrow and um you know this is a big game you don't need me to tell you this but uh you would think now this is just me spitballing if you will you would think you would want a Big, savvy veteran with all the experience in the world. Not only for uh, you know a production standpoint, but just have him in uniform on the sidelines as like you know for leadership purposes. And I'm I'm looking at the depth chart. Nothing against Roscoe number ninety three. Nothing against Allen number thirty two. But uh, unless I'm missing something, maybe Charleston's dealing with a with a nick here or there. But uh, We'd like to see a guy like that in the lineup, you know. But uh, 
that will, <laughs> that will not be the case for tomorrow. I can tell you one thing, though. The Riders will have their starting five offensive linemen intact. Dan Clark in the middle. Logan Furland, left guard. Evan Johnson, your right guard. Cooper Richardson and Taryn Vaughn, your tackles. So that is a very um, important part, important piece for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. If they want to go anywhere in the playoffs, playoffs, they need <laughs> that continuity at the offensive line position. And uh, the, the other part, obviously, is at the running back position. Shaq Cooper will be your starting running back tomorrow for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Mario Elford will be backing him up. Your receivers, Shaq Evans, Kean Schaefer-Baker, Kyron Moore, Justin McKinnis, Brayden Lenius, James Tuck. He's your fullback once again. And I'm sure James Tuck is ready to make some more big-time catches, just like la uh, last week when he... You know, kind of leaked out of the backfield there, and Fajardo hit him. This is going to be a nerve-wracking game. There's no doubt about it, but uh, if the Riders win this game, been saying it for the last two and a half hours, if the Riders win this game, inside track for that crossover position, and uh, this is for all the marbles, and I cannot wait for it. It's a 5.30 p.m. kickoff tomorrow, and you can get hyped up all day long, starting at 2.30 p.m. with Countdown to Kickoff with Daniela Ponticelli, Don Hewitt, Wes Cates. And then the hour leading up to kickoff, uh, Michael Ball and Luke Mullinder will be live from Tim Hortons Field, broadcasting ahead of uh, a big game tomorrow for uh, the Rider Nation pregame show. And Glenn Suter will be joining on that pregame show as well. It's going to be fun, a big weekend ahead, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the pregame show. This has been the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on demand for CAA Travel Saskatchewan. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts, and uh, let's pick up this win tomorrow. This has been Sean Kleisinger filling in.